Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, happy Wednesday, everybody. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory. All the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And not only that, great service department to back it all up, whether it's inspections or it happens to be uh, routine maintenance, diagnostics, they handle it all. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Roots 11 and 15, Hummelsworth online at sunburymotors.com. Well, everything fell apart for Major League Baseball. First two series canceled. Uh, after they went past the deadline. It's going to go beyond that. I don't think that we'll see baseball until May 1st. Now, keep in mind, the minor leagues will be able to play. The minor leagues will be able to play uh, starting April 9th. And, of course, the Crosscutters open their season on June 2nd. That's fine. Spikes uh, will open against them and then have their home opener on June 3rd. That's fine. So this will be the ninth work stoppage in Major League Baseball history the fifth in which you'll have a cost to games, as a matter of fact. Uh, 72, 81, 85, and of course uh, the 94, 95 strike, and then the this is the first lockout. Everything else was a strike. This is a lockout. But the other four where games were missed were strikes by the players. And... Now you have the first ever Major League Baseball lockout that will result in games being lost. Okay. That's what they decided to do. More injury for the game. Chris Mack coming up on the show. Great to have you with us today here on News Radio 1070 WKFK. Welcome back to today's show, brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 at 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. All right, let's turn our attention now to the West, bringing in Chris Mack from Pittsburgh. And Chris, I mean, uh, good news for the Pirates, by the way. They're going to start the season, and they're going to, you know, they're going to go through the first few weeks of April, and guess what? They're not going to be in last place. They're going to be tied for first. What's up, Steve? It's possible the Pirates will have another winning season by then, but... I don't know how probable. Look, we're trying to avoid drug testing on the show, Chris. Don't say such outrageous things, okay? (laughs) It's outrageous. It was interesting because I was talking to my class today, and I was discussing the baseball contract. I said, you know, we talk about tanking. I said, so I said, I'm not saying these teams tanked. I said, but for example, I said, the Jacksonville Jaguars end up with Trevor Lawrence. All right. Now, at one point, obviously, the Cleveland Cavaliers ended up with LeBron James. Mm-hmm. I said, Pirates have Henry Davis. <laughs> I said, I said, I, I want more of an instant return for my first overall pick. Why on God's green earth does a baseball team tank? Why? 
because uh, they don't want to they, they don't want to cut into the profits it's, it's that simple i mean i don't i don't think we're we're breaking any news to people but the pirates and the marlins and the royals and the a's of the world um, now the rays have somehow figured out a way to actually win ball games while they keep the budget uh, on a shoestring but those teams they don't want to they don't want to eat into their profits so they give us the uh the old tired trope of how well, you know, it's it's an unfair, unlevel playing field, and you know what? To an extent, it probably is, but you know, it's it's much easier for them to lean on that excuse uh, and to try to pit the fans against those mean, nasty players who really are just looking for what amounts to um, a cost of living increase on the last CBA, mm-hmm. uh, and, and blame them for everything. And that's 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 where we're at. This, unfortunately. You know, I remember talking to Jamison Tyone back in 2020 when it was fairly contentious between the league and the players on how they were going to structure that season um, midst pandemic. Um, and I remember talking to Jamison and he, he said to me, you know, if you think this is bad, just wait till the CBA is up. Right. Um, the players, the owners, uh, the agents, uh, the league, everybody knew exactly what was coming down the line. And they all just chose to sort of whistle past the graveyard and wait for it to jump up and bite them on the rear end. And then when it did, they didn't exactly seem to have any sense of urgency about uh, moving forward. You know, the owner spent 40 plus days after the lockout began, not sending any substantive proposals the players way. Um, It's, you know, and then once they did initially try to get into some meager negotiations, immediately requested the federal mediator twice. (laughs) The Players Association has said, thanks, but no thanks. We'd like to actually get a meaningful offer before we do something crazy like that. Um, You know, and I I do understand those that are frustrated with the players to an extent because, to be honest, there is some truth in the fact that it is an unlevel playing field. Um, And part of that is because the players – uh, they, they'd like to raise the luxury tax threshold even higher. And that's going to, I guess, de-level the playing field, uh, if I can make up words. Um, so far, further. so good. I'm impressed. Yeah, well, don't worry. I've got what, more. What's, uh, what's next? What's next? Strategery? <laughs> <laughs> so the strategery from yeah. the owners here, Steve, is actually working quite well. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think it's a waiting game now. I think, unfortunately, we're going to miss a pretty significant number of games. Um, because the owners, I don't think, I think the owners think they can outlast the players. Um, I think the players know that once the impact of no games being played starts to hit the owners' pocketbooks, that they will probably actually sit down for some good faith bargaining and negotiation. But mm-hmm. we could be two months away from that, to be quite honest. If they don't have some sort of major breakthrough in the next week, I think we're going to we're talking about like a memorial day start. So let me throw this theory by you. Let's have a little fun with this. Mm-hmm. What is the least profitable month of the season for the owners? You well, I would guess it's probably April, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Yeah. So what's the incentive for them to play? There's no incentive. Oh, yeah. There's no incentive for the owners to play. They're going to take the least profitable month and they're going to flush it. Yeah, and it it gives them an excuse to not pay the players their full salaries, um, which is what this whole thing has been from the very beginning, which is exactly, and the players know that everyone knows that that's why the players have very rightfully accused the owners of of not bargaining in good faith. So 
you know, until everybody sees the other side for for what it's worth and actually understand, actually comes to the table with, like I said, I, I've used the term good faith probably a handful of times already. But until that exists between these two sides, I don't think they're going to go much of anywhere. No. Um, and, no. and you know, I, I I don't think they'll let an entire season fall by the wayside. But I certainly think this thing could end up getting whittled down to, you know. 100 110 games and like i said maybe not starting until memorial day because that's when the financial impact to right. your point will actually really right. start to hit the owner's pocketbook that's when school's out and things like that right. Yeah. right right so let's get to something that's probably more fun to talk about the hiring of brian flores by the steelers if there was any organization mm-hmm. that could sit there and they could comfortably hire brian flores and could care less about any outside interest it's the pittsburgh steelers you and I both know he's a quality coach. What kind of add is he to Mike Tomlin's staff? I, I think it's it's invaluable because the yeah, one thing I'm with we've had a we've had a problem here in Pittsburgh with um, Mike Tomlin's um, with, with his his willingness to embrace new ideas and maybe divergent di- ideas within his coaching staff. You look at guys like Keith Butler who just retired. You look at guys like Randy Feigner who was pushed out the door a year ago. Um, those are guys that Mike Tomlin's known for decades. You know, yeah. they didn't necessarily coach together for decades, but uh, they came together at one point, uh, all all of them, and you know, they they knew each other going back a long way. Feekner and Butler and some of the other guys on the staff, they're not the kind that are going to stand up in a defensive meeting room during a, a particularly difficult week of game planning on a Monday night, late Monday night, early Tuesday morning, and say, Coach, I don't think that's going to work. Brian Flores has the guts to do that. Mm-hmm. Brian Flores is no wallflower, as we've seen over the last few weeks. He's willing to take on the entire National Football League. Um, and some of the interviews I've seen, you know, I saw the one he did uh, down in Florida, the I Am Athlete podcast with Omar Kelly from the Sun Sentinel and Brandon mm-hmm. Marshall and Chad Johnson. I thought it was pretty insightful because when he was called to task by Omar, for you know not tanking and it cost them the first overall pick and cost them Joe Burrow. Yep. Ryan Flores looked Omar dead in the eye and said, "I'm fine with that." You know, the man wants to win football games right. and doesn't care who he kicks off to do so. Um, so if if there's a mon- late Monday night, early Tuesday morning game plan meeting when they're crunching film trying to figure out how they're going to slow down Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And Brian Flores is is not excited by the idea that maybe Mike Tomlin or Terrell Austin are laying out. He's not going to have a problem standing up and saying, no, 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 no. I don't think that's going to work. I think right. we're going to try this. And that's really what the Steelers have needed for a long time. Now, on both sides of the ball is an infusion of new ideas. We didn't see as many as I thought we'd get on the other side of the ball from Matt Canada this year. It was disappointing, gravely right. disappointing. Uh, but I would expect some some different wrinkles on the defensive side of the ball that would help, uh, you know, you, you, you can't have the defensive player of the year and one of the handful of best interior D linemen on the same defense mm-hmm. and still end up 32nd in the league against the run and I think 22nd yeah. overall. Here's another aspect to this. Mike Tomlin, of course, has been entrenched as a head coach for a long time. What do you think it means to have another guy on the staff now that – has been a head coach and has sat in that chair, has been in that office, has had to make the decisions that Mike has to make. What do you think that means to him in terms of his ability maybe to bounce some ideas off somebody else? 
I think it's big. You know, he's had that before, but it was always on the other side of the ball. Yeah, yeah. right. It was Mike Munchak, you know, guys Munchak like that. Munchak and Haley. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think having that, it, it comes back to what I think will be a very interesting dynamic between Flores, Austin, and Tomlin, and how much those guys are all willing to challenge each other. You know, uh, and so if they're all willing to challenge each other, but in a good way, in a constructive way, Again, I think that's in, invaluable. I mean, you're talking about a guy who gave the Dolphins their first back-to-back winning seasons in nearly a quarter century. Um, so Brian Flores knows what he's doing. I, I, I think it's it's an absolute home run, and I'll, I'll just be curious to see how long he lasts here because I can't imagine if he has a, even a half-decent year here in Pittsburgh, I can't imagine there aren't going to be teams that come knocking on his door for – at the very least, the defensive coordinator position, if not a chance to jump back into the head coaching ranks. All right. Uh, now the quarterback situation. The guy, the best guy available at the moment is Mason Rudolph. Okay. Yeah. Now, and you and I both know the fan base doesn't accept that. I got it. Uh, is the fan base willing? You know, do you think the fan base is excited to get a new face in town, like a draft, a drafted quarterback? I'm not saying there's a quarterback out there they should draft. Because uh, I don't think there's a first-round pick in the draft at quarterback. No. There will be first-round quarterbacks picked, but they aren't first-round talents to me. Right, right, uh, right. Big difference. Uh, do you think the fan base is ready for something like that? I think they are. I think what the fan base wants doesn't necessarily jive with what oh, it they never experienced does. It never over does. the last 18 years. Yeah. You know? the, the experience over the last 18 years has – spoiled the fan base, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. It spoiled the fan base to the point where anything short of a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, and that's even granted that Ben Roethlisberger didn't really look like a Hall of Fame quarterback the last 20 games of his career or so. Um, anything short of that is just there's going to be complaints. Um, I think there, and that's not the entire fan base, but there's certainly a, a loud enough, vocal enough contingent that will feel that way. Um, I think the most realistic fans understand that those quarterbacks don't grow on trees and that there isn't one available in this year's draft, and there's probably not one available uh, in any other method, to be quite honest, either, because Aaron Rodgers is not leaving Green Bay. As much as Russell Wilson wants to change his Twitter avatar, he's not leaving Seattle, most likely. Um, And if he does, he's not coming to Pittsburgh. Um, I, I think most people understand that reality is Get yourself a quarterback who can do just enough to not lose you games. Rely on your defense, which should be better given the top-end talent that it has available to it and the assistant coaches that you've now put in place. And lean on your running back and your tight end, Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth. And that should be enough that you're a wild-card team. Is that going to be enough to keep you in Super Bowl contention year after year? No, probably not. We're probably looking at a team that's that's very uh, similar to, you know, resembles the Tommy Maddox teams that existed before Roethlisberger came along. You know, it was a fight to get to the wild card. They'd get there. Maybe they'd fight for a division and compete, but they were never Super Bowl favorites. Until that next quarterback comes along, we've got to face the fact in Pittsburgh that it is a quarterback-driven league, and that quarterback is not immediately close to, to coming to Pittsburgh. So you can scratch and fight and claw for a playoff berth, and – hope that that's enough and that maybe you catch lightning in a bottle um, in doing in, in getting to those playoffs that maybe something crazy happens. That's the realistic side of the fan base. 
the very vocal minority, I think, of the fan base, part of the fan base is is expecting a Hall of Famer to just fall out of the sky or, or thinks way too much of Kenny Pickett. Nothing against Kenny Pickett. I think he'll be a solid starter in the he's, NFL. He's fine. But, you know, they think too much of Kenny Pickett because they saw him at Pitt this year or they think Malik Willis can be the next Lamar Jackson, which, you know, it, it, to your point, there isn't a first-rounder in this bunch. Two or three will probably get drafted in the first round. But if I'm the Steelers, I'm more focused on rebuilding that offensive line. Entire answer, you never once mentioned Mason Rudolph. <laughs> I mean, it's just so, you know, so it, disappointing. He is the he is that guy. He's that game manager guy. Mason, I, I, and look, I'm one of the people in this town that actually likes Mason Rudolph somewhat as compared yeah. to a lot of the fan base. Um, I think he can be good enough. I think he can be Tommy Maddox. Um, yeah. he, but, but he needs an offensive line, though. That means, I yeah. mean, I mean, I, to me, that I I would look lean that way with my first pick, but that's only me. At, no, I'm I'm absolutely with you. Unless the unless the lead offensive linemen that you really like yeah, are all off gone. the board by yeah. then, yeah. Um, and then you can look maybe D line or corner or even inside linebacker. Uh, but no, I I think most of us agree that especially after, and I have no problem with going with Najee Harris. I love Najee Harris, mm-hmm. but especially yeah. after you passed on offensive line in the first round last year, you've yeah. got to make that pick this year. I mean, look, you could be looking for a corner and end up with Artie Burns. You just don't know. All right. It's unfortunately uh, a bad Steelers uh, habit. The uh, Artie uh, Burnses and Senquez Golsons have littered their roster. I feel like I gave you the shakes on that last one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Appreciate you, Chris, very much. Uh, thanks so much, Steve. We'll talk again soon. Chris Mack, more to come on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC Way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, the King of Kings, the Prince of All, Neil Kulon. I'm back here again. I am I am Mr. Staple. And I believe I've been serving that community since what, twenty eleven? Is that how long we've been doing this? 
2012? 2012. So this is our 11th year of the show that uh, started in February of 2012. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I think that's spring. Mm-hmm, that's spring. So it's, it's almost 10 years. And uh, I have aged you dramatically in that time, but uh, for which I for which I apologize. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, you? Was somebody? I'd much rather be here. I know that. Well, we're thrilled to have. Believe me, if I didn't enjoy the conversation every week, you wouldn't be here every week. So, I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, that's that's why you're on all the time. You're a blast, uh, and you know what you're talking about. The so let's get to the quarterback part. The three names have been thrown out there. If you're looking for that temporary fix, nothing long-term, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, and Mitchell Trubisky. Now, I, the one that makes sense to me is Bridgewater, but what do you think? I think Mason Rudolph was Mason Rudolph last year when they signed Mason Rudolph to an extension, gave him $2 million to be the team's backup quarterback. I I don't think there's financially speaking, the odds of Mason Rudolph reaching free agency in 2022 last year, right before the draft, uh, short of an extension from the Steelers, odds of him going to free agency were excellent. You know, there wasn't going to be a, a longer extension offer for him. And I don't really know who in the market would have, you know, fallen all over themselves to sign him. Well, that, they gave see, him, that's what gets me, Neil, is that there there are moments where you and I know that that a team is only bidding against itself. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And they, they in my opinion, and a lot of these things it's a matter of perspective. This really depends on how you want to look at it. If you enter this conversation not wanting Mason Rudolph to be the starting quarterback, we can talk about Teddy Bridgewater all day. We can talk about Jameis Winston all day. I don't blame you. I don't think that Mason Rudolph is especially good. I, I don't think that he should be your plan to, to start a quarterback. I just know that the Steelers extended him, gave him a signing bonus, so they paid him $2 million up front to be the team's starting quarterback in 2022. There's no other reason for them to extend him. On top of that, they're going to give $2.6 million, which is the original round tender level uh, for Dwayne Haskins. They're going to retain him as well. In, in what world does it make sense for them to go out and get another veteran quarterback to bring in? Because, you know, you just set the market at, at Rudolph. He's on the cap for $4 million. His base salary is $3 million. If, if uh, Rudolph, or excuse me, if Haskins is at $2.6 million, What's the market for the next quarterback that you get? Are you going to pay him more than uh, Rudolph and essentially have thrown the $2 million away that you had no reason to spend at all last year except to have him in place? Or are you going to go under uh, Dwayne Haskins? You're going to sign somebody to be your third-string quarterback. Nobody wants to do that. Your third-string quarterback is preparing and and running, maybe running at the combine right now. He might not have even been invited. But that's who your third-string quarterback is going to be. That's right. They'll draft one, and then they're going to sign probably somebody with, with Pittsburgh ties somehow or other, um, it, probably a smaller school guy that didn't get drafted for you know, a couple of very obvious reasons. He's going to be the fourth string uh, you know, preseason week four hero against Carolina. That's just modus operandi for the Steelers. Their quarterback position, short of the one they're going to draft, which I bet money right now they're going to draft the quarterback, 
that's the only question that, that's, that really is up in the air. They're not going to trade assets to get a quarterback on a one-year deal. They're not going to sign one who wouldn't sign for anything less than $10 million. They're not going to bring in a $10 million quarterback. You've got Roethlisberger's cap hit is something like $10 million this year to not be on the team. Rudolph is at four. Haskins would be at, at 2.6. So you're looking at 16.6 in three quarterbacks, and you're only playing one of them. You want to add more to that to bring in a fourth? There, there's just no financial sense to that at all. It's just simply not going to happen. And I, it, the, the fact that it is the talking point around Pittsburgh, what veteran quarterback they're going to bring in, it, it only screams that the level of confidence in Mason Rudolph is, in my opinion, fairly so, uh, very, very low. It, it's, he's not uh, – he hasn't proved himself to be uh, somebody that you're, you're going to base your game plan around. They're going to have to scheme up ways – to make an offense successful without the quarterback being the overriding factor of that. And we'll see how well that works out, but they're, they're all of these decisions were decided last year. They, they knew that they were going to have right. Haskins available to tender. And they, if they extend Rudolph, they don't have to guarantee uh, to start a better, a, a free agent uh, from the, the 2022 class or a rookie. That's really why they did what they did. This way, they can draft the rookie quarterback and bring him along. Wherever they draft him, I don't know. That's up in the air. Um, you hope that they draft a, a, a future starter. But Rudolph is there to serve as the starting quarterback for, for this year. And barring something remarkable happening to his abilities, uh, probably just one year. And then he can go into free agency. And the hope is that whoever they draft uh, takes over after that. I think you have to look at the next two draft classes and ask you what quarterbacks are going to be available. I don't mean this one. I mean the next two. I mean in 23 and 24. So who's available? Well, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud would be two guys that would be available in next year's draft because they will have each completed their third year. And there are going to be some other guys that you, you may be looking at saying, okay, will we be in position to get any one of these five guys over a two-year period? That's the question you have to ask before you go with somebody that you think is a short-term two- or three-season solution. That, that's how I look at it. I would agree with that. I would agree with that, and it, mostly because, to be honest with you, um, you could have given Duck Hodges a call and offered him the veteran minimum to come be the starting quarterback this year if you want to go out and get Stroud. It, that's what it's going to take. Mason Rudolph isn't going to lose – 15 games. Right. You know, the, but the team Duck is could. not going to lose 15 games. But Duck, Duck could. absolutely could. I wouldn't put that past him at all. It, it, they would be competitive for one of those quarterbacks. I right. agree with the, the philosophy behind it. What they're saying is, in my opinion, the quarterbacks of this class are not Trevor Lawrence level. They don't right. have the arm talent of Zach Wilson. No. There are guys that are going to fall to where Pittsburgh is this year. They weren't going to last year. Five quality earlier rather than later starters were in last year's draft. And there was nobody after that. And we, we see that now. Uh, this year, my opinion, you're going to have reasonable quarterbacks probably available in the back end of round one. I think more quarterbacks will go uh, earlier in the draft. People think they will because, well, that happens every year when they say, it's, well, it's a bad quarterback class. Yeah, I know. That's why only four of them will get drafted in the first round. Okay, it, it's quarterback. 
you need one. Pittsburgh knows that now <laughs> better than a lot of teams right. do. Um, I, I am thinking what they're saying is we feel there will be a quality quarterback available at 20. If not, there are guys that probably shouldn't be first round picks because they're not going to be ready right away. We know he's not going to be able to play in year one. In other words, they're drafting him to redshirt him. If he can't play, the Steelers in particular, if he can't play in year one, they don't want to draft him in the first round. So a second round guy, though, you you could see that going either way. It might be a guy that has this issue or that issue or something it is that they need to work out, plus the lack of those elite kinds of skills. Um, I can't tell you where I'm sitting, who that would be. I look at a guy like Desmond Ritter, though. Um, I Interesting. Both, I could see both why a team would take him in the first round mm-hmm. and why they would not take him in the first that's round. That's right. I would lean more toward that that's the, the primary trade-up target, the type of guy that you, you trade back into the first round to get at 29, 30, 31, somewhere in there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he ends up. But for Pittsburgh, I don't think that's necessarily off the table for them either. They can make a move like that. Um, while mock drafts are certainly not you know, indicative of accuracy, I have seen thousands of them at this point. Matt Coral dropped to 20 in some of them in a way that makes sense. You can see this happening or that happening. I think I'd love to have him. He'd be he'd be great for what they're trying to do. Yeah. He might not be a, a year one guy right away, right. Uh, but he could be if they wanted him to be. I think I think he could be. Um, those options are going to be there. So because of that, I don't know what they're going to do in round one, and that would mean I'm I'm not really sure what they could do in round two either. But they can. They're probably going to be able to find a quarterback who's okay. Uh, it, it, it's the two spots they have right now drafting in those rounds. They're not going to mess around with the veteran quarterback. And we know that because that's exactly why they signed Mason Rudolph last year. So they don't have to go through the, the mental gymnastics that it would take to guess. And then add into it, maybe they feel next year's class is absolutely stacked. And wherever they'll be, there's going to be a better option for them. Mm-hmm. And they'd rather address it then. I, it very well could be the case. Yes, because you and I both know that every year there are probably 15 to 20 legitimate first-round picks that would be considered yep. first-round picks in any year. Exactly. And there are 32 picks in the first round. The quarterbacks in this year's draft are not among the best 32 players, but they're going to be first-round pick quarterbacks because people need the position. I mean, to be honest with you, Jahan Dotson, who might be a late first-round pick, and Jaquan Brisker, who might be a second-round pick, the two Penn State guys that are in the front of the draft, are both better football players and without injury will have better long-term careers than any of the quarterbacks. But yeah. they're going to get picked behind the quarterbacks because of the position. Right. And all of that, I, I put it very simply like this. The Steelers, if they were to, quote-unquote, reach on a quarterback at 20, it's because that player isn't going to be there at 52 when they draft again. Right. It's not always a question of the, the vertical column. We line up every player and rank them one through 375. <laughs> Teams don't do that. I love that. That's, People you, think you that can't that's make how a they decision that way. No, you can't. Yeah, it, it, it sounds really easy. If you think that you are the, the czar of a team's draft and you're drafting against the entire league, and you, you, in other words, you're putting the player ahead of the team, sure, you can do that. When you're inside of a war room, when you've got an army of scouts and analysts, you have all this information, the decision has to be made, you can't break it down like that. You have to know what you need, you have to know what you want, you have to know what what is going to impact you now, next year, three years down the line. 
there are way more factors that go into that than what you think the difference between number 20 and number 27 is. It just isn't any at that point. That feeds into exactly what you said. They don't even grade first-round guys like that. No. There might be 20 guys they see are legitimate first-round picks based on the team's philosophy. They set that. They say, these are the things that our first-round picks have because this is how we build a football team. It is not pure talent. The player does not go above that. And that, that's, that's the common misunderstanding of all this when, when people get into value discussions. Well, it's a great value pick. It's the only cornerback that they could draft at that spot. You know, it, things like that, it, it's not that you want the position more so than you want the player. But at the same time, if you said, or, as an organization, we need to invest in a cornerback because we don't think this guy's going to get any better. We know this guy's got a chronic injury. We're going to lose him to free agency because he's nuts and he's going to ask for 10 times more than what he's worth. Those guys are all going to walk. We need a cornerback in 2023. It's not just about 2022. So if this guy is here, we grade him not first round, but back end of first round into round two. That bucket is a lot bigger. Call it 21 through 55. Those guys have a lot more in common than 20 does with 15. That, that's just the way players are. And the, the biggest differentiating factor in first-round picks are those elite physical traits, the things that you can't coach. So, yes, you do take the 6'5 wide receiver over the, the 5'9 wide receiver because he's a lot bigger. If he's doing the same thing, you want the big guy. All things being equal, the, the bigger guy is who you're going to take. So it, it's not a question of how good – uh, that that smaller receiver is versus the bigger one. It's a question of, of what's more rare, what has more intrinsic value to you. They, they break down those kinds of things. It's not about, you know, this player versus that player in, in a skill sense. It's what we need first and foremost. It's what our franchise says uh, we want in these rounds of picks. And then what do we need now and in the future? And And on top of it, we like this guy. The other right. guy's kind of a jerk. We're not a big fan of him. Exactly. So we're going to invest in the guy we like. See, that's the part of the combine that we don't see that is the yeah. critical part where you sit down with them face to face. And look, some of the questions are stupid. Just sit down and talk to people. Right? Just yeah, sit just, down. Right? You know, if you were a tree. If you have any ability, if you have any personal skill at all, you, 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 let, to be honest, I'll, I'll go off in a quick rant I on mean, this. I'll shut up. I, I, I promise. I but, mean, it's the, it's the moronic Oprah question to Catherine Hepburn. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? <laughs> right? And I'm thinking, you're getting paid a billion dollars a year to ask that stupid question? Really? Well, I mean, you have, going, you oh. have people who make a lot more money oh. that put together those questions, and you have people that barely make anything uh, executing it. That's more of the problem. I know. If, if the person that's asking the questions isn't aware of why they're asking them, right. it, it's going to come off poorly, and it's, it's, you're not going to get anywhere. Right. You want to dig. You want to find right. information. Right. Give me your it, rant. It, but you can, you can chat them up. I mean, that, that's, right. that's sure. really it. it it's right. more the idea of the, the disparity in personnel at the Combine versus pro days when they take them out to dinner the combine is great for checking out medicals. Yeah. It's probably more of, of what it is. Sure. You want to make sure that the guy is running about the speed you think he's running in film. You want to make sure that he's still in shape. Um, if, if he you know goes to a weigh-in and it looks like he's gained 30 pounds, it, it's, that's not the player we think he would be. We need him to be lighter than this. 
a couple pounds makes a difference. You know, they, they need to be aware of, of how seriously the prospect is taking uh, this whole process. So the dog and pony show part, it, it, it is important, not in the rank and file way people think that it is. It doesn't matter who the fastest is. They no. want to know, does this guy's speed match what we think it is? We mark him as fast, okay? Fast to us is four, three, two, whatever it is. He runs a four, three, four. Okay, yeah, he's probably about right. He runs a four, four, five. That's totally different. In, in football terms, he's not as fast as we right. thought he was. Sure. Maybe he is still hurt. Maybe right. he did put on more weight. But they're sitting down for questions, and it's not your high-level executives that are running those meetings, like the speed dating conversations that they have. Right. Some of them, yes, but they only have so much time, and they can't be everywhere at once. So to get everybody, they have to fan out. You know, in the Steelers' case, you know, say Colbert, Tomlin, Canada, um, down and down the list, you're getting into kind of lower-level guys that might not have the nuance or, or personal skills that, that you'd want to really get a sense of who somebody is as, as a person. And then, yes, you get some guys that, that will totally mess up the question and other teams right. that will have them ask terrible questions. Maybe yes. they didn't even understand when they said, look, ask him this, ask him that. Right. They didn't understand that. If they can't kind of, you know, riff with the moment, it's going to come off really poorly, and you're not going to get anything out of it. I'm, the coach, I'm sure that I'm, happens a lot. I'm the more coach and general about. manager. The two of us go in there, we talk to these guys, and then we yeah, compare so notes. Honestly, and say, I don't need somebody else to do this. I can figure it out myself, and have the somebody in there to help balance me off in case I miss something and they picked up on something, or vice versa. They they approach it in volume. They want to talk to everybody who's there to some degree, and they might not be able to get everybody. Uh, in their pro day, it's the same personnel. So if Tomlin talks to candidate A, Colbert talks to candidate B, um, they might want to chat him up again later on, but maybe Canada does it this time to get a, a third perspective of it. Their top people are going to be spread because they need to spend most of their time with the most valuable uh, you know, assets who are, who are out there and available. Um, they're investing what three times as much money in, in a first round pick than they are in the third. Right. They're going to put more of their attention into scouting the Got guys it. that they could get in the first round. Yep. So what's the rant? Uh, one. <laughs> I think it just gave you like three of them. I, okay, good. It, I, just, I want to make for sure. Me, it, it, it's, the idea is really more, you have to understand that the level of rank and file that goes into the combine, they bring a lot of people. Teams bring a lot of people right. to the combine and they're there to interview. So your low level guy gets maybe a mid-round pick, and they're talking to him. I don't know exactly what comes out of that, but that low-level guy is probably not going to be as savvy and as polished as your 30-year general manager is, as your 18-year head coach is. So you can see why questions come off as stupid. And sometimes it, it's, I, for, for my part, just knowing what, you know, some of the, the more famous dumb questions that were asked, it was never the team's general manager that asked it. No, it was like an assistant scout. Exactly. Some, you know, pardon me, pardon me, but some meathead that, that doesn't speak to people on a regular basis like that. You know, they're interviewing them. They're not giving a report on them. So right. it's a different environment, and that can happen. You can see why that would happen. Neil Kulong, Reginald Walker, next half hour, brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK.